Hey everybody, this episode is all about a Discord server that I recently encountered that's filled with really young people, many of them in their early 20s, but some as young as 13 years old, and they're hackers and hustlers and entrepreneurs. Some of them are actually millionaires already, I do believe. And basically they put together this little private space to just try to attract all the most interesting and ambitious young people. And uh, it's been making some waves and I got to know some of the people in it. So I wanna introduce them to you today. There's a lot in this episode about how young people are thinking about uh, business and uh, being creators and organizing online communities. And I think there's a lot of interest to, to my audience. Hey everybody, my name is Justin Murphy and this is the Other Life Podcast where I talk with indie creators, digital hustlers, and unique internet personalities about how to escape from institutional conformity and succeed on the internet instead. To learn more about the Other Life Project, go to otherlife.co, that's otherlife.co. And if you like what I'm doing, I just have one quick favor to ask. Please go and just leave a review in iTunes. It really helps others find the show and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much and a big shout out, especially to my patrons. I cannot do this without you all. So thanks. And now on to the show. I am here today with a one Emma Salinas. Emma Salinas is one of the ringleaders of a interesting and shadowy group of, of young whippersnappers, movers and shakers, uh, a private discord server, also known as the Gen Z mafia. And we're going to talk today about what this group is, what it's all about, and hopefully we'll learn a thing or two about all the different interesting kinds of hustles and ideas that are bubbling up from the most ambitious people in the uh, Generation Z. So uh, first of all, welcome, Emma. Thanks for coming out to talk with me. I appreciate it. For having me. Yeah. Um, yeah. What were you going to say? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. It's been blowing up. It only started like two months ago, um, but is on a really uh, interesting trajectory. So it's, it, you started it or the group started it uh, about two year, about two months ago, only two months ago? Yeah, yeah, pretty recently. Um, I think I have that correct. But uh, we started it just like out of kind of nowhere. We were just talking. And um, I have a lot of friends who are doing really interesting things, but they don't have like that many other friends who um, like are, are going along the same path of like trying to build something really big and uh, like raise funding, you know, be a startup CEO. And um, they kind of like look to me as like someone who knows more people, partially from like living in San Francisco, being a pioneer and working it on deck. And so um, I wanted to like give them more uh, like give them a place where they can meet more people and just like put all my friends together and say like, hey, like, let's hang out. Let's talk, like meet each other, um, make ideas together <laughs> or like make products together. Um, and so we started this discord and yeah, I posted, a, uh, I promoted it on Twitter and I got like 400 DMs literally right after just quickly tweeting it. And um, it's basically blown up. And now I like see it as, as like a really important place so groups like this have like always existed. There was Ambitious before this, which is like, there's a lot of crossover people, but like people that are minded, um, that are like ambitious minded and want to build things like naturally just like find each other um, and collect. And so this group was just like inevitable. Uh, we just happened to be the, the people who started it. And um, I, I think, yeah, it, it's hopefully going to grow and continue and um, stay the same place. But uh if not, it'll probably just like the same people will collect in other different places. Right on. Okay. So how old are you again? I'm 20. You're 20. Right. And so if you had to describe the community in, in one sentence, what exactly is the Gen Z Mafia? It's just a loosely connected group of people who mostly interact through a Discord server. But what you all have in common is you're really ambitious uh young people trying to make big moves in the business world, in the tech world. How exactly would you summarize it? Um, just a group of young people that love to build stuff and are definitely going to go places. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about what is the composition of, of the group? Like, um, what types of people are in there and, uh, give, give us a little bit more of a detailed portrait of the, of the gang. Yeah. So it's like ages 13 to 24. Um, we also 13. have, yeah, 13. 
There's actually Arcane. this girl named Erin. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about her. She's she's so badass. Um, so what is the 13-year-old doing? <laughs> she like randomly goes online to the Discord and streams like what she's working on and gets help from like people who are you know more knowledgeable. If she's like doing a React course, like they'll help her or they'll like guide her and direct her. And um, she'll also like open Blender and like you know build stuff and just like random different um, apps that are like. I only found out about when I was 18. And so like her starting that young on like 3D design on React development, any sort of like JavaScript development is like super, super impressive. And so she's I, just learning programming in the context of the group. But is she like making products? Yeah, yeah. She's like learning, uh, learning to code in front of all these people who are like helping her and, you know, helping out on different projects that we start and like doing design in public and doing um like logo stuff and yeah we just like help her grow and that's just like one case of someone yeah wow interesting uh so okay so age, ages range from as young as 13 man if it were me i would be worried about like uh like legal issues with like child laws like i've actually had a couple people try to come into my systems who are under 16 and uh like wanting to like pay to be a part of things and i was like honestly i i don't know i don't know what the laws are with like young kids like i i was like i, I kind of don't want to do things with people who are underage because I, I don't know i feel like our society is very sketchy with stuff like that uh maybe it's especially if you're like a middle-aged man you don't want to be like doing things with kids <laughs> you know what i mean it's just people are very sensitive about that so i've actually turned away people from like my communities and stuff like that for being <laughs> underage like under like under 18. So I don't know. Have you ever thought about that? Or am I totally crazy for even worrying about that? Maybe it's just less weird because like we're young and like I see her as like, I don't know, that was me a few years ago. Right. And yeah, I just want to help her and like everyone just wants to help her. Um, yeah. With like as far as legal stuff, I don't really know. Um, I mean, I think she can freelance. I know of people, especially like people in the group who've been doing like coding and design since they were like really really young like 11 12 13 and what they would do is they would go online like under a pseudonym and pretend to be an older person and like show right. their work and then still get hired and paid i don't know about legality stuff but um i know that like this is this has been happening for forever like yeah young people working on stuff yeah for sure for sure and i think just the discord server there's nothing to worry about there i think like uh things might i, I don't know what the situation is with other things with which involve like payments and all that but anyway um right so you got you you have a bunch of interesting people circulating in this discord server and uh so i should tell my audience a little bit of backstory about like how we met and how this podcast even came together so basically uh well you all were uh kind enough to invite me to give a private chat a fireside chat is what you call it in the discord server so that was kind of how i found out about it. i i also I think I first learned about you folks through my friend Katya, who I think is in your gang. And uh, by the way, I think your Discord like uh, notifications are going off a lot, unless yeah, I'm inventing that. No, it's cool. Just letting you know. Uh, thanks. And uh, so I think I learned th about you through Katya. But um, then, uh, right, you invited me to do the chat, so I got to kind of poke around and see what you're all about. And uh, and it was really cool talking with you all. And I, I I was like, oh, these these young kids seem pretty dope. And then what was interesting was. Uh, I came across uh, this guy, Sam Parr, who does a podcast and uh, on the podcast, he basically mentioned you folks or the other, the other co-host, uh, Sean mentioned uh, Gen Z mafia. And then uh, Sam Parr, I think called you quote unquote, uh, fucking stupid. I think was the quote, uh, basically like totally dismissed you. And the reason was because there was a, there was a recently a New York times article. So this is all just, I'm giving my audience background. There's a New York times article. I guess you, uh, you folks have a little bit of news buzz. And uh, I actually listen to Sam Parr's podcast. I actually I like that guy a lot. I, I, I've learned a lot from following his business. And I've actually kind of mimicked a lot of, of his playbook. So mad respect for that guy. Uh, but then he, um, I, I heard him talk shit about you guys. I heard him say that. And I was like, oh, no, no, he's wrong. Like, I, I was like, no, no, I, I've talked with a lot of these kids. Like, there's legit stuff going on. A lot of these kids are super smart. And, uh, and so... Pro tip to people listening to this, especially like younger people, like if you're ever listening to a podcast of someone you you really admire and like listening to, and they say something where you deeply and immediately are pretty confident that they're wrong, always seize on that. That like that's always a really good moment of of insight, and you should always pounce on that and invest in that and write it up and publish it and 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 try to follow through on that because um, that's always one of the most promising opportunities to. To, to do something interesting and unique where someone you admire who you think has a good 
judgment is wrong about something specific and you feel confident about that, always double down on that and go deeper into that. That's my little pro tip for my audience. But uh, so that's what I did. I was like, oh no, I he's wrong. He's wrong. And I generally respect his judgment. So that's when I reached out to you folks. And I was like, I got to get some of you folks on my podcast. I want to learn more about what you're really doing and show, show the world a little bit more personally, like beyond what a crappy New York times article can show, uh, show like what you're all really all about and what you're really doing. So that's kind of the background here. Um, just as, as a little bit of uh, background for people who might have no idea what, why we're talking or why you're on the podcast. So maybe, could you tell us a little bit more about some of the badass people in the, in the group and what is going on, uh, concretely a little bit more? Um, definitely. So we have about a hundred or a thousand and seven hundred members right now. Uh, the New York times piece has given us like a thousand. Um, and we have like five projects in the works right now. I can't really talk about them. Um, one of them, though, is launching very soon, and it's called uh, Cloakview. So Clearview has, um, like, Clearview AI. They do facial recognition. Um, so, like, mapping people all across the internet. So, like, privacy doesn't exist. Um, and so we have this tool that you can, like, put in an image and mask it. Um, and it just, like, moves a few pixels around, changes a few of them so that ML uh, facial recognition algorithms won't be able to identify that it is you. And so it'll kind of, like, hide uh, your identity a little bit on the Internet, uh, make it harder for you to, to be found. And um, so that's one we're really excited about because we're pretty, like, anti, uh, you know, surveillance state. <laughs> um, the, okay. the of the website is fuck the surveillance state. Um, and, yeah, we're... They're, so everyone in the group, um, a huge portion of them are startup founders and they're like Gen Z startup founders. So, um, and they're working on like the craziest shit. There's someone building a supercomputer. Um, so <laughs> yeah, a like giant computer, um, basically to like train neural nets faster than like anyone else. Um, and they're doing that using unused computing space. Uh, and yeah, another person is making home building cheaper. Another person is uh, detecting forest fires before they happen. Oh, yeah. Um, so, okay, so I've looked into some of these. So the one you mentioned about uh, using people's computers to train machine learning models, uh, it's called Flip Flop AI, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's a really interesting idea. Basically, the idea is that everyone on their consumer computers actually have more processing power than they're using at any given moment. Uh, so he's basically trying to build this system where you can rent out your unused computing power to yeah. people who are like training machine learning models or whatever. Yeah. Uh, like I have no idea how logistically near that is, but it's a genius idea, I think. And super yeah. interesting. And like the guy you're, you're talking about or gal, whatever, who's building a supercomputer. Like I, so a lot of people might be listening. A lot of people might be listening and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, well, of course, young people always have crazy big ideas, but none of them ever work because they're young and immature and stupid. Right. Uh, that's the critique. But here's the thing. Here's my attitude is like, where there's smoke, there's fire. And if you can get like a bunch, a few hundred, um, like really visionary, ambitious, clever young people in a Discord server, like sure, maybe even 70%, maybe 80, maybe even 95% of them are going to be total duds. And it's just like uh, totally big dreams that will never come true. But you only need a few big hits for the server to be explosively influential and successful, right? So that's yeah. what I think people don't fully understand. And when Sam Park calls... Gen Z mafia, uh, quote unquote, fucking stupid. I'm just like, no, no, no. This is actually really smart to make like a, a social hotspot that draws out the most ambitious uh, people with the biggest ideas, get them all into a space. And then, yeah, sure. Some of them are going to fail. Let those fail. But it's all about the ones that that blow up. And I think you were also telling me in DMs that there's kind of an implicit arrangement and maybe it's not formalized. It's not like a business model, but there is kind of understanding in which if a few of, if one or two of the businesses blow up and get really, really big, that's okay. Yeah. You're making, you have, you have an incoming call of some kind. <laughs> what? Sorry. Oh, good. Um, I think someone's calling me on Discord. I'm so confused. It sounds, it sounds like some kind of incoming call. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. It's okay. Uh, we'll just roll with it. You can uh, like turn your mic off, I guess, when I'm talking or something, if you want to, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. <laughs> cool. Um. Yeah. So, so you were telling me that there's kind of an implicit understanding, uh, possibly, in which if one or two of the businesses were to blow up, there's a good chance that, you know, the uh, the other people in the community will have some kind of role in it, uh, some, some some way to benefit. There's a kind of shared sharing of the risk and potentially also a sharing of some of the payoffs. Could you tell me a little bit more about 
how how you think about that and how how your community thinks about that like is gen z mafia kind of pioneering a, a kind of highly distributed informal kind of uh uh kind of like moonshot accelerator or something like that yeah so it's kind of like about as planned as paypal mafia that's like kind of where the name comes from um there's this concept called squad wealth which is like if you have a squad of people who are just friends and you know a few of them succeed you're pretty much like bound to also succeed if you like match their ambition and their talent because you know through them you'll get opportunities you'll like meet other interesting people and you know they'll invest in you this like this concept of like kind of having an ISA through like I'll invest in your company you invest in mine you know we'll all like invest in each other's company so like when we succeed we'll all succeed um, and that just like kind of happens naturally um, with like these groups of really ambitious entrepreneurs, uh, for example, Paypal Mafia. Um, yeah, so it's not like something that we're like engineering. It's more just like these are our friends. These are people that we like really connect with and, you know, love to help each other, like connect them with whoever they need to be connected with, invest in them if we have if we can invest in them. Um, yeah. And so like when you have these types of people, that just kind of naturally occurs, I think. So how do you deal with the problem of um, don't don't you presumably get some people trying to enter the Discord server who are, uh, you know, posers, you know, lazy, uninspired people who just want to be a part of something that sounds cool, but actually they're not smart or they're not hustlers or they're not ambitious and doesn't that pull things down? That That's like an inevitable constant problem of communities. Have you experienced that yet or no? So um, building stuff is a good filter, like actually doing things like sharing progress all of that is like a really good filter for people because those types of people like don't really make much progress even if they like seem to like you know do really well it's it's always like you know gets cut because because they can't like um yeah they're not really able to like go as far as they can uh or as they Wait, but you don't filter out new people in the community for uh proof of work do you we have tiers in the discord ah so Tell we, me more. Okay, cool. Tell me more about the details of the community design. I'm curious about that. Yeah. So the Discord is open to anyone. You just submit the uh, the application, and you'll get a link to the Discord to join. Um, and then you get like put in all these these uh, communities or these channels. And if you're like pretty cool, and we like see you interacting, and we see you like have interesting points, like sharing interesting things. Um, you basically like pass the vibe check and can like join the other channels. Um, and then there's also like building channels. So like anyone who like wants to help build stuff can like, you know, message one of us or we'll just like see that they're like trying to build stuff with other people and they can join the, uh, the ministry of building, which is where we have all of our projects. And so like through that, I basically have like found just really incredible developers, like some of the smartest people just from like working with them, from like actually building with them. So like it, if someone joins that channel and like never builds, they're never going to build a reputation in the server as like being a really productive, smart, um, ambitious person. Interesting. So basically you let anyone who wants in, but then you filter them and only the ones that uh, seem the best to you folks subjectively, I guess there's like a, a moderator team and it's just purely subjective. So if uh, someone in the moderator team judges someone worthy, then they get uh, boosted up to the next level. Yeah, if they like talk to them, and they're like, oh, this person's really cool. This person's really smart, or they're working on something interesting. Yeah. So for newcomers to the community who want to who, who want to make the cut to the to the secret uh, bonus levels, uh, what do they have? To, what? How, how would you suggest they do that? Like they had just have to be building stuff? Um, yeah, just like share uh, interesting links, interesting ideas, um, you know, work on stuff uh you know join hang out in voice chat with all of us and like hang out basically right. uh, yeah the yeah, interesting. Like grabbing a beer with someone if you're under 21 oh by the way you should remind me if i forget but um when i did your fireside chat i told you folks that i had a bunch of business ideas for uh people who wanted to build things in the creator the content creator space uh, I since yeah, just, I, I, I could give you a lot of ideas and, uh, you said you were interested in that. I said I would write it up and I actually did. I just haven't edited it yet. So if you want, before we get off this call, I could actually tell you all of them right now on this call at some point. And, uh, maybe you all can take my ideas and go build uh, businesses with them if you want. So remi remind me, well, I'll save that for the end. I'll tell you then. I, mm -hmm. I don't want to, uh, the spotlights on you. So, uh, all right. So 
Um, some other like interesting ideas in there um, that I saw, like the the wildfire forecasting uh, one. That I thought that was pretty cool. Um, uh, it's called Fion. I think they haven't like officially launched yet, uh, but uh, to me, I, I, that's like a really good idea. Just I, I think just like the flip flop idea that th- this is a very legit promising idea i think like i from what i saw looking through the actual content of what you folks were putting out i was pretty impressed like i I think a lot of these are uh pretty impressive and potentially quite winning ideas like wildfire is interesting because it's it's like it's a very relatively new like serious problem and I i live in montana now and uh i've been like so like all the western states have been covered with smoke and uh I'm I'm st- I'm stupefied by how much of a quality of life decrease it causes. So it's and it's a relatively new problem at this kind of like crisis level. So it's like all of a sudden half of the country is uh, kind of like consumed by a terrible sudden decrease of quality of life. It's like anything you could come up with that could even make a dent in alleviating that problem uh, seems like a very very worthwhile good idea with like good business logic. So it's like. Even if the underlying machine learning isn't even that good, like, and I don't know, I'm sure maybe it is, but um, even if like the product sucks, frankly, being perfectly honest, it's if, if it's even like a little bit better than like a coin flip, uh, like that's a pretty promising start, and then you can prove it over time. So that's just another example of of like the way I see it. There's like real good stuff coming out of the community. Something I noticed with a lot of these projects, it's like something that many people talk about. Like I've talked about this idea, so many of my friends have talked about this idea, but no one's actually done it. Like no one's actually like, all right, like I'm going to do this idea, we're going to build this. Um, Same with the super computing thing. It's like something that um, it's been tried before and like faced some issues. And rather than like, um, you know, just like dismissing it and being like, someone else will do it. You know, this company's already big and doing it like, young people are going into it saying like, we can actually do this way better. We have this perspective. We've like, you know, this new research came out that literally like no one is, is uh, at that experienced in because it's so new that like we can just dive in and actually build it. So what do you think is the best predictor of a Gen Z hustler who is the real deal versus just a poser? Like, are there, are there tells where you can clearly kind of predict, oh, this person is actually going to follow through and is this person going to make waves and they're going to win. And this person is just uh, a good talker. Um, I think when you're young, your fate isn't decided. Um, I think you could go either direction and you can go like, if you have the right values, you're probably going to succeed. But if you're valuing things like, you know, status or like having lots of people talk about you or um, like seeming like if you value your presentation more than, you know, the fundamentals of like how you build what you do, you know, if you're developing the right skills and um, doing the right things, that is more the determining factor. But both could look the same, like, especially when you're in the early stages. Do you think your crew is, is there overall a bias towards, do people generally think about big businesses that are kind of the on the VC model or are people more interested in kind of bootstrapped indie stuff like what is there a bias or is it diverse I think it's diverse some something about us is like we're working on a bunch of different projects like uh a lot of people are working on like four different things at once and that's kind of what you do when you're young it's also like an issue so like once an, a company is actually formed you know people will focus on that but um during the exploration phase, it's kind of just like, whatever, like if this becomes a company, then it raises, I think it's a case by case basis thing. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. I was I was, I was just curious, because I feel like I meet a lot of young people, like really smart, uh, ambitious young people who are very capable, and, and they're and they're, they, they're able and willing to put in the work. But a lot of them I find are a little overly obsessed with the traditional VC model. And they kind of think like, I meet a lot of young people who are like, they think they need to get an investor before they can build something. Yeah. I was just curious if you, if you like come across that a lot. I, I come across that a lot. Yeah. I, I feel like I kind of do not really within the group. Um, Cause the group is, is really like, it, it's a big mix of people. Like we even have Gen Z investors in here, like people that have already built companies and sold them and are, you know, doing another one. Um, but yeah, I do think that's like a really dangerous thing that is emerging with a lot of like young people, this like belief that you have to raise money to do it. Um, I definitely wish that like we can kind of go back to the like garage mentality of, um, you know, 
working really, really hard on something and like investing your time and not not like blowing up so quickly, not like raising like thousands and thousands of dollars um, like without a product and uh, or millions. And, um, you know, then using that, like being more humble with uh, with how we build and grow companies. Right. Right now, so I I, I mentioned uh, Sam Parr's cop comment, which kind of got me stoked to bring you guys on and uh, uh, stir some shit with him. But I, I never I forgot to ask you, like, what do you say to that? Uh, I'm just kind of curious. Um, it's like, yeah, his criticism. We've gotten a lot of criticism recently, which is like, what are the what are the main what are the, what's how would you summarize the main criticism and and what's your response to it? Um, yeah, so the criticism is that we are like still elitist and. Um, you know, even though the article was saying that we're taking down this elitist institution, we're basically doing it with another elitist platform. Um, we're like, we're definitely different than uh, Silicon Valley's elitism. Um, but I wouldn't say that we are like completely separate because that's the nature of the Valley. That's um, like, we aren't as, uh, our barrier to entry is really low. Right on. Yeah, anyone can join the Discord server. But you have to you have to get through the filter. That that's where the elitism comes in. But hey, you got to filter. You got to filter, right? But we're also like just very open. We're very like come. Like if you're building interesting things, like come to right. us. We're gonna accept you. We're gonna like you know. And we also offer something different than Silicon Valley. Like what Silicon Valley mainly offers is you know status and money. And what we offer is more like building valuable skills and getting experience and like really unlocking young people. Something that I don't think young people do enough is like take shots and um something cool about the discord is like we'll like have an idea and then we'll be like rushing to build it and so like i'll be designing something while like someone else is doing something so like there's this like push there's this pressure to actually complete it and actually ship it um and so yeah we're, we're providing momentum and like a lot of dif different things than like silicon valley generally provides we're so, also you all, so you all have a somewhat anti-silicon valley consciousness you would say uh, no, definitely not. Sounds like it a little bit. You, or at least you're thinking about yourselves um, as as something distinct. Uh, you're, you're trying to uh, carve out a space or an attitude or a mentality that you see as against the grain of of conventional Silicon Valley norms. It sounds like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're different in the respect of like like the value that we give to people and also like the values that we have. Um, but I also would say that like so something that was in the article was that um, we aren't completely rejecting of this. Like we want to work with VCs. We want to work with founders. We want to like help people like on this journey. Um, but yeah, like we make it easy. We make the whole journey easier for them. Right, right. That's fair enough. So are you all living in totally different places? Is there any kind of geographical concentration in the for the Discord server members? Um, so a lot of people have been moving to San Francisco, which is actually really exciting to see because, um, that was and that's a, where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Uh, yeah. But we have people all around the world. Uh, like everyone who's moving to San Francisco is like coming from like North Carolina, Texas, like lots of places in the, in the U S it's really hard to come from outside of the U S right now, just because like travel bans. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. Now, isn't there an exodus out of San Francisco though. So why are people going into San Francisco when it's still so expensive and everything's remote? So the exodus is happening mostly amongst uh, old people. <laughs> and why not you? I'm curious. That's interesting. Why are you not thinking about, oh, okay, everything's remote. Let me go live anywhere I want. And why aren't you all dispersing for fun and staying in touch online? Yeah. The reason for like being in San Francisco is to be in this like really concentrated, basically like Gen Z mafia. It's like Gen Z mafia in real life. Um, but it's hard though for people who are young and hustling and trying to take big risks. It's hard to live where it's expensive. Obviously, I understand the the you know the the returns to 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 network effects and all of that being concentrated with a bunch of other smart people. I get it. But um, since you're less and less able to actually convene physically with people, um, it just seems like a pretty rational move to, especially if you're young and you really want to pursue um, some kind of big dream or some kind of big moonshot that you're passionate about. It seems like you would want to cut costs as much as possible. Uh, so why are more of you not leaving San Francisco? Um, I think so. San Francisco kind of also provides this like barrier to entry that um, because it's so expensive, you have to really, really like um, hustle to get there. Yeah. And so it has this like natural filter 
that exists for, and, and I think that's like both bad because yeah, it's, it makes it less accessible, but also good because, you know, it makes people tough. Like when they have to actually like deal with the roughness and the difficulty of life, it, it does like toughen people and make them more scrappy and make them like more aware of opportunities rather than like living comfortably somewhere. I was recently in New Zealand and like, it's like paradise. It was like so comfortable and so happy. And so everyone, but uh, they really like lacked. And I was in like a small town in in New Zealand. Um, I didn't really see any like crazy, like ambitious people like doing different things. Like um, even the restaurants were bad. Like everyone was (laughs) not to like shit on New Zealand, but um, like people are like pretty comfortable and like, Oh, this is good. Like we have this, you know, and, and everyone was like, the level of satisfaction with life, with life is pretty high, but it was also because like, you know, no one's like taking giant risks that could end in like total complete failure and sadness. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I definitely see your point for me. I mean, I've, I've, I've only spent a limited amount of time in San Francisco meeting some people there, but, um, but I've met a fair number of people kind of from there and in that orbit. And, uh, I mean, to me, the biggest risk other than the cost of living, and you make a, a perfectly fine argument about why it might be beneficial in certain ways is I, I feel like in so in Silicon Valley, the, the social conformity is really bad. Even among smart people, there's like a certain way of talking. There's certain words that you're supposed to use. And uh, almost everyone there is like, tr- I don't know. It's like, it's like uh, many people there have, have masters really like in, whether it be an investor or some kind of stakeholder or some kind of mentor or something like a lot of people ha- there have certain personal networks in which, it really makes people um, fall in line in a way, in a certain way, right? So it's like obviously, if you if you can come up with a business idea that uh, so, you know is is legit and viable and unique, then of course, like that requires a certain kind of creativity. Um, but the sense that I get from there is like I don't know. Whenever I'm there, I do, or talking with people like in, in that world, um, I always feel like it's this highly kind of correlated, uh, highly kind of socially uh, socially conditioned, uh, little bubble that kind of makes me feel like for, for the life of the mind, for, for feeling that kind of like true, um, vitality of the mind, the ability to like see crazy things and to articulate things interestingly and uniquely. Like, I feel like all of those muscles start to contract seriously when I'm in like Silicon Valley circles. So that's why I, I, I'm personally, I kind of always been curious, like, uh, why people want to, join in these types of uh, milieus, but it sounds like you just find the, the benefits greater or maybe do you disagree with my observation? Uh, no, I agree. And that's like, honestly, how I kind of recognize a lot of Silicon Valley. I don't see it as much with young people just because like they're coming from completely different places in the world and different. Um, and they're like, yeah, they, they've, they're the outsiders of other parts of the world. It's like the largest collection of outsiders, especially before they've been like indoctrinated from the Valley and all of the like lingo and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So that's like another way I see us kind of differentiating ourselves then from uh, Silicon Valley um, because we want to be more like experimental and more unique. Something I really value is like individuality and like people being their own person and not creating like the same startups over and over again. Um, Like I love seeing like hard tech. I love seeing like people jumping into like, you know, the housing industry or like industries that like a lot of people miss. Like if you look through TechCrunch, like there aren't that many, um, like it's a lot of like the same stuff. Uh, So what do you think is, what's your longer term uh, vision? Actually, something I should have asked you before I feel uh, rude now that I didn't is uh, I I think it was kind of co-founded by a few people, right? You're, you're one of them or were you literally the person who founded it? Um, I made the discord, but it came out in a conversation with Suds, Sudarshan and uh, same person um, and Carson Poole. And okay, then- cool. I just wanted to get them on. The, I want to get a shout out to them too. I didn't want to make it seem like, uh, you know, you're the, uh, you know, supreme leader necessarily. Yeah, yeah no. Um However, I think I'm the only person working like full time on it right now. Really? So you so you see Gen Z Mafia as your full time focus right now. So that's interesting. So what 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 do you see as like the long term vision for Gen Z Mafia? Like is like what's the end game? If assuming assuming you have a critical number of people who are very successful, um, what wh- what do you see in the future for it? Does it become like a kind of uh, incubator or an accelerator or like um, is it a kind of shared equity type of play or how are you thinking about that? Um, 
yeah, I, I wanted to grow and help more people. I wanted to like activate more young people. So if we could do that through investing or through just like giving grants to young people, connecting them with the right people, um, basically just being like a really good starting point for anyone who wants to get into tech by like giving them all the resources and, you know, help and support that they need. Cool, cool. So um, what do you think is the, what do millennials such as myself and uh, Gen Xers like, what are they most likely to misunderstand about the world? About the world. That, that, that Gen Zers have a kind of, like, unique uh, lens on. Um, I think it's stuff that they understood when they were young. And so there could be, like, it could be Gen Z misunderstanding the world and, like, being naive. But, like, that naivety helps us the most because, like, we're not as scared to like get into industries that we don't understand, for example, which which could end really badly, but also it could end really well. And we're young, so we have nothing to lose. So so what's an example of something that the older people are kind of uh, too too old and tired to, re- to rethink, but you feel like you all have a kind of unique uh, comparative advantage in your naivety? Yeah, I think it's um, it goes back to like the startup, uh, like old people are really dismissive. Um, they're really dismissive of like certain ideas, like if we presented a startup idea um, that- Emma want, claps back at Sam Parr. I like it. <laughs> they're just like super, super like immediately like, oh, that's a stupid idea. Or like, oh, that'll never work. Like you can't do that because you're young. And um, like just being naive and not listening to that, I think is like our best ability. Yeah, I totally agree that there's uh, there there is a kind of pr- a profound uh, opportunity and naivety. And uh, yeah, I, I get that for sure. So, okay. Interesting. Now, um, so, I mean, there are a few other like cool things I kind of came across about Gen Z mafia, like one kid in there, I'm told, uh, there's a 21 year old kid in the Gen Z mafia who has, who currently has six drug patents. Uh, and he's, he's currently, or he or she, I I don't know. I didn't get that fact, uh, has published 13 peer reviewed biotech papers. And, uh, this kid thinks that he might have the cure to all viruses and <laughs> not just one well, virus like HIV or Ebola, but HIV and Ebola and malaria and COVID. Um, so I just love the, I just love like crazy ambition. I love like a kind of over the top, um, absurdly ambitious ideas and projects and claims. Uh, so are there any other, um, particularly interesting cases you want to share? Um, I mean, that's, that's an amazing one. That's like, yeah, he's completely correct. Like everything Justin said is like completely correct. There's this drug called Draco, D-R-A-C-O, that might actually be like the penicillin of viruses. And like research was shut down for it because of lack of funding. And like pretty much no one's like said anything about it. It's like not well known, but like a bunch of like my friends and I are like really like digging into it and seeing like, wow, this could you know, basically cure any deadly pandemic before it starts and trying to pay attention to it and grow it. Um, Just making some notes here. Yeah. Yeah. um, Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, okay. Well, I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, I think we did say an hour. Uh, There is a game that I sometimes play on this podcast. Uh, Would you like to play a round of it? It's not hard. I promise. Yeah. It's called called Based or Cringe. And uh, it's a kind of exercise in simplicity, let's say. I, I think nuance nuance can be overrated. We like to uh, explain things in long waffly ex- explanations, but sometimes just a thumbs up or a thumbs down uh, really cuts to the quick of it. So uh, in this game, I basically just throw out ideas, people, events, concepts, and uh, you basically just have to say based or cringe. Uh, say based if you give it a thumbs up basically and give it and say cringe if, if you think it's lame. Uh, so are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. And people in the chat, by the way, can suggest things uh, if they want to. The first one is Martin Shkreli. I don't know who that is. Oh, you don't? He's the pharma bro? You don't remember that? Oh, wow. I thought that, I thought he was popular among Gen Z people. So he was this guy who, um, he's an entrepreneur, and uh, I don't know his whole backstory, but um, he was well known for uh, a few publicity stunts. Like one was that he bought like a super rare Wu-Tang record. Um, I forget the backstory there, but he's most notorious for... Um, uh, having having these talking points about how pharmaceuticals need to have higher prices so that there's more incentive for developers for for pharmaceutical developers to make the the make medicines and so that was like his talking point for a while he's like we need to raise the prices on pharmaceuticals so it's yeah so so there's more development of these drugs and uh, 
So he got a ton. I think that's when he he went like super mega viral in a bad way. Uh, and he became known as the pharma bro. Um, and everyone just saw him as like a terribly evil villain uh, who wanted to jack up prices to pharmaceuticals. Uh, but the reason I ask is because I've actually talked with some Gen Z people who are like, he has a bit of a cult following. Like a lot, there's actually a ton of people who, uh, for whom he's kind of like an internet uh, celebrity and like a really cool uh, role model entrepreneur. Uh, but I'm so, but you don't know anything about him. So you're, you're off the hook for this one. Cool. <laughs> you should check him out though. I would be curious. Like he's very polarizing. I don't really have, I don't really have a take. I mean, I kind of always have a natural sympathy for people who like say ridiculous shit and get a ton of uh, flack for it. I kind of have a special place in my heart for anyone who's like willing to do that, but uh, I don't know too much about him anyway. All right. That was a dud. How about Elizabeth Holmes? Based. Based. Ooh, would you mind just saying a few, saying, saying a little bit more about that? I'm curious. Sometimes we go rapid fire, but sometimes I'm really curious about what you think. Um, she has like big main character energy. Like she, <laughs> <laughs> I just like, I respect the story. It's something that like a bunch of Silicon Valley companies like run into. Obviously like she made a lot of mistakes, but like so did like everyone else working with her and like encouraging her. Um, yeah. All right. How about um, Kanye? Based. Based. I agree. That one's obvious. I, 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 I would have been disappointed if you said anything else. Um, how about Jake Paul? Uh, cringe. Ooh. Okay. Uh, Britney Spears? Um, I think I like agree with the TikTok uh, theories that she's like kidnapped. So I just feel bad for her. I mean, I love Britney. So like based and cringe, like I feel bad for her. <laughs> I didn't know there's a theory that she was kidnapped. currently like very like controlled like and and her current um like all of her tiktoks that she's made are like really really weird and um yeah she's kind of gone downhill but i i do i support like 2007 breakdown uh britney was just based right yeah like shaved head britney that's my based britney too yeah um so I, there's this, there's, it's well known and it's documented in the data that the Gen Z is, uh, a bit of a teetotaling generation. They're, mu- they're less likely to drink, less likely to do drugs. So the next item on, on, on based or cringe today is, uh, recreational drugs and alcohol. Um, how do I, so base slash cringe, like alcohol and, and drugs are like cringe, but they're also like really they're definitely therapeutic powers and all of that has been like super dismissed amongst like past generations just because of like racism or because like i don't know the ca tried to use lsd for like really um really like for war for like getting information and uh pretty much dismissed it and made it illegal because like they completely ignored the therapeutic powers so like I think it's based in that it it has therapeutic powers um, and will probably be legalized very soon for like non-recreational purposes. So I'm pro like non-recreational purposes. Okay, interesting. I'm also kind of getting a vibe that you're, you and maybe, I, I don't want to make you a, a stand-in for all of the Generation Z. Obviously that's ridiculous, but it's kind of fun too, a little bit. <laughs> so it's like, you're kind of saying the old drugs that people used to do for fun, that's cringe, but new things like, psychedelics and therapeutic type stuff that's based yeah yeah and stuff that's being used for therapies is also like ketamine mdma um and psychedelics yeah so since you're a young person at the beginning of your career are you like uh maybe you don't like talking about this kind of stuff publicly like you're not really i shouldn't ask you questions about that because i sometimes talk about that but i i I feel like for you maybe it's not appropriate okay whatever i'll skip forward Uh, panel in Gen Z mafia called psychedelics to like have this discussion because, and and I think it's like very representative of Gen Z because like Gen Z is willing to have these discussions about like sex work, about, you know, psychedelic use that like used to be really hush hush. And I think like having these discussions is, is important. And, yeah, like, sure. Taboo. Yeah. Well, I've tried ketamine and it's fucking awesome is all I'll say about that. You don't have to, you don't have to say if you've ever done it or your opinion or whatever, but, uh, amazing, amazing. Uh, so, all right. Uh, well, okay. So I don't want to keep you too long, but, um, oh, okay. Maybe one little more, one more. How about, um, Burning Man? Based. Based. Okay. Yeah. Are you, you all, you, you are Silicon Valley. Yeah. You yeah. Different. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, I think like that part of Silicon Valley is kind of getting lost. Okay. Say more. Um, this whole like art and creativity and like creating this like utopia that exists is like you know, the core of Silicon Valley when it started of like, we can build this beautiful world. Like we don't need money. We like this really like crazy uh, thinking, this crazy way of thinking. And I, I don't know. I think um, 
people have kind of lost that, like that magic and that like, I want to build these crazy things. I want to like make this exist because it's beautiful. And, you know, yeah, I, I think it should be like a bigger part of SF culture. I actually don't see it that much. Do you think, does, does the Gen Z mafia have a, uh, a, a political leaning on average? Is it, is it kind of woke or is it kind of like anti PC uh, or is it a, a total complete mix? Um, we're, I would say like pretty libertarian. Um, and as far as like left or right, um, like pretty moderate. Yeah. Pretty moderate, meaning like not really too fussed about uh, politics. Yeah, we don't talk about politics uh, that much, but I actually like definitely want to change that um, just because it's like interesting to hear perspectives and we're not opposed to talking about anything. That's a big thing. Like we, if we want to like discuss like really controversial topics, like we're a platform to do that safely. Um, And I think that's like something that maybe isn't as liberal anymore. So maybe in that sense, we're like more, I don't know which direction more moderate um but, but generally you're free speechers yeah yeah do you like do you, do you yeah. like ban people for using naughty words or like kick people out for being racist or stuff like that or um we definitely would kick someone out if they're being racist or sexist right um, most discord servers would yeah <laughs> i mean very very few people even like the most libertarian people are actual like free speech absolutists who will let anyone hang in and say anything so yeah sure yeah um yeah. we definitely like talking to people who we don't agree with we've actually invited uh people who have like talked shit about us online uh to do talks and to like have discussions um but yeah just to like make it a safe space for people who you know care more about like the fundamentals of the group uh which is just like building things and being productive and um yeah we don't want to like push them away from uh with anyone like being really bad in the group all right. Awesome. So maybe just one or two more quick questions, if that's cool with you. Like yeah. literally, I think one or two. Uh, so one is the, uh, there is a, a, a question that's kind of recurred in the chat a little bit that I've noticed, um, which is maybe fair. I'm kind of curious about it also. Um, uh, the chat is always filled with like trolls also. So I don't always bring up all questions or comments, but one is kind of um, the idea that um, is, is Gen Z mafia like disproportionately filled with rich kids who uh, are, already very kind of economically, uh, you know, endowed, let's say, uh, is there, are there people in the community who are kind of like coming from working class backgrounds or like, uh, poor people in like weird areas who are nonetheless like hustlers? Uh, could you speak to that at all? Um, when you say rich kids, do you mean like kids with rich parents or kids that have their own money that they made from like selling a company or investing? Um, definitely the former, like uh, any, like a, a self-made millionaire, rich kid who's in Gen Z mafia. That's awesome for sure. And frankly, for what it's worth, I'm not judging at all. Like I, there's nothing wrong with your parents having money. Uh, but there is a kind of perception. I'm just curious if you could speak to it being true or false. If it's, if it, if it is true, it doesn't matter. It's not yeah. necessarily bad, but is it disproportionately like people whose parents are well off? And that is what enables a lot of you to have the kind of, uh, creative, uh, time to, to build and to work and to learn that you currently have. Um, yeah, I would say like, I actually don't think I would be able to tell. I know that there are a bunch of dropouts. Um, and I feel like that's not really common amongst like wealthier families. Um, so yeah, there, there are people mostly in the chat that are like fairly, um, that are either like in school, like live with their parents, um, live with their parents and are starting companies or, uh, work full time and, um, are also like building on the side. But it's not like no one's being supported by their parents and also building stuff, really. Oh, okay. That's that's revealing then. That that definitely pushes back that that critique a bit, um, for sure. And do you, I, so so basically, anyone out there who's listening, if if they're like, if someone is uh, uh, a clever kind of self taught programmer or something like that in like bumfuck Ohio, and uh, they're totally poor and low class, uh, they're welcome to join. And they if if they yeah. if they. If they're building and they have things to share, they're as welcome as anyone. Yeah. Also rich people. I feel like, um, I actually feel like it's less like people who come from extremely wealthy families. I heard about this for um, Dubai. Like they tend to not be as um, like self-motivated because, you know, so, so I feel like, yeah, we, we probably don't have enough like rich kids. <laughs> it's a really good point. Yeah. It's a really good point. If you're like genuinely born into serious wealth and your parents are, are loaded, um, yeah, it's, it's sometimes you don't really feel that hunger to like build something big and to work really hard on it. Uh, yeah. so that's a really good, that's a really good clap back also to that critique. 
I think a lot of this is coming from probably like the, cause the, the Taylor Lorenz piece and the New York times piece kind of like framed you all as like trying to be this like uh progressive non-elitist thing. Uh, so that always elicits this kind of like critique of like, Oh yeah, well you're privileged and you know, you're elitist and, and that sort of thing. But uh, it sounds like the vibe I'm getting from all, everything you're sharing is that like, um, it's not really that it's, it's, it's really just like any, any young person who, uh, is really ambitious and trying to build something, uh, cool and, and, and serious is, is welcome. And it sounds like it's quite diverse. So, um, cool, cool. Well, do you have any questions for me or anything, uh, anything we, we didn't get, we didn't talk about that you'd love to get on the table? Your ideas. Oh yeah, that's right. So I, I told you, I did actually, uh, for people listening, I, I did this fireside chat with them and I mentioned at some point that I had a ton of business ideas uh, if anyone wanted to build stuff in uh, specifically for content creators, because that's like what I've been doing full time for the past year. And I've been building a, a, a business, a pretty serious business, like with lots of moving parts um, to basically enable and make profitable my various, you know, philosophy and science writings and, and teachings and all of that. And uh, so there's a ton of gaps that basically I actually did. Like I said, I would, I sat down and started writing them all out and it's pretty much almost done. I'll put, I'll share this on my blog, uh, like very soon, but in the meantime, I can just tell you what they are. Um, so I'll just go rapid fire. All right. Is that cool? Yeah. Uh, I won't talk too long. Uh, but say so, based or cringe? do you want me to say based or cringe? <laughs> yeah, sure. If you want to. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, these are like, I'm totally open sourcing these ideas. If anyone likes one of these ideas and wants to build it, uh, not only are you more than welcome to go do it yourself if you want to, but um, shoot me a message if you want to talk about it. I can give you more input. I'm also happy to advise. I'm also happy to possibly help and possibly have some kind of equity stake or something. If anyone wants to seriously build any of this stuff, um, I'd be in a really good place to advise and also maybe help uh, with the product. And 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 also I could do marketing now that I have a you know sizable growing platform. So that's just a little caveat. Let me know, reach out or take it and steal it. So one is... Um, Premium uh, metrics dashboards uh, built for content creators on the content creator platform APIs. So a lot of the, uh, like Patreon would be one big example. Gumroad would be another big example. Do you say thumbs up because you're already doing it or or you just like it? I like it. Basically. Okay, I thought maybe you're like, uh, yeah, we got a guy doing that already. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, like the big, the big targets in my, in my estimation, the ones that would be most in need of this would be Patreon, Gumroad, and potentially YouTube also. Um, YouTube analytics are actually a bit better, frankly, but um, Patreon and Gumroad in particular, the analytics are super limited and uh, they're just not that good. And, but the data is there. So, um, so if you look at like, um, you know, think of like bear metrics or something like this, do you know bear metrics? Um, there's a bunch of established business models that basically will just um, take some type of data API and turn it into like more useful dashboards. Basically is all you'd have to do. So like bear metrics does this for Stripe, basically bear metrics was built like in a week or something like that by the founder whipped up an MVP super quick. So if you're a talented developer, all you really have to do is, uh, take the, the data API for Patreon and make some better dashboards than what Patreon gives you. What Patreon gives you sucks. Um, and the, the bear metrics business, they're, they're like a massive, massive, SaaS business and the guy started it in a week and it basically just takes Stripe AP, it takes Stripe data and gives you like beautiful dashboards for your business. So basically what I'm saying is build a bare metrics for creators on Patreon. Build a bare metrics for creators on Gumroad. Build a bare metric build a bare metrics maybe even for creators on YouTube. Um but of course it's not so much about income, it's more about the engagement and the and the and the, uh, all the other stats that they give you. In Patreon in the case of Patreon no, I'm sorry. In the case of Patreon and Gumroad, it is actually about income. Um, in YouTube, it would be for uh, just the, the metrics. So I think that's like, I think seriously, you could whip this up in a week and uh, start make it profitable really quickly. Like I would gladly pay um, maybe 10 bucks, 20 bucks, maybe more a month, depending on how good it is. Uh, specifically, my, my advice here would be um, to go for like actionable insights. Cause like basically what content creators really want and need is I want to be able to look at a dashboard where it's like, on Patreon, okay, your retention is is down the past three months. You need to work on keeping your patrons longer, or your growth is down. You need to focus on uh, getting more, acquiring more patrons. This kind of like actionable advice combined with a, a slicker dashboard um, could be huge. So anyway, I'm talking too much. I should move faster. Now, another one would be um, it's a similar it's a similar idea, um, but instead of providing like premium improved metrics dashboards for creators. Um, merging and centralizing some of the different creator metrics. So in, in other words, in this case, give me a dashboard that 
shows like my Patreon analytics on the same page with my Gumroad analytics or on the same page with my YouTube analytics. In that case, they would literally just be taking data from the, the APIs already and just letting me see them in some kind of sensible um, uh, comparison or, or aligned by time maybe, or you could come up with different ways that would uh, bring that data together in a way that's valuable. Hell, even just bringing it together at all would save me time from having to click through these different websites and like look through these different pages. Um, all right, what else? Um, so yeah, again, that's like Patreon, Gumroad, YouTube. Another one would be, um, uh, this is kind of, uh, you'll notice a theme here. These are like unique ideas though. This one would be, um, open slash like public metrics dashboards for creators. So like people want to be able to show off their stats. Not only do they want to be able to, um, like see them and make sense out of them, uh, but something that could simply make a public facing version to kind of show it off and let other people track it and see it. So like, if you've seen like ILO.so, I don't know if, if you've seen this, but someone is doing this for Twitter. If you go to ILO.so, it basically, the guy or gal is asking like eight bucks a month. And all it does is give a public link to like your Twitter stats that you can show off with people. I think this is a great idea. Um, at least, obviously this is not like a billion dollar market, probably not, but um, it's like a fun side project that someone could probably uh, make in a week if you're talented and uh, make it profitable pretty quick. Like I would pay for that if you could do it for Patreon or for Gumroad um, and so on. Um, okay, what else? Oh, so this is a somewhat different. So this one is um, a bit weirder and and maybe, but maybe much bigger. Uh, randomized control trials uh, for measuring the efficacy of online courses, okay? So the online course industry is massive and it's booming. You know, you see people like me, but you see like much, much bigger people like me, like moving into the online course space and doing really cool big things. Like, I don't know if you know this guy like David Perel or like this guy, Tiago Forte. Um, they're, they're doing, a ton of people now are doing courses in things related to like, you know, how to manage your knowledge, how to manage your databases, how to like work more efficiently, how to be a writer, how to do like, internet, how to do like cool, important internet stuff that people do actually really need to learn how to do. And, uh, people are making like these many, many million dollar a year businesses doing online courses. The problem with online courses is that there are a lot of posers and, and scammers basically. Like there's a lot of fake shit in the online course, a lot, a lot, a lot. And, but there are some legit, um, courses also. So this is a major, major problem. It's, it's, it's a, it's a massive industry. It's growing for sure. And for the small number of people who are super legit, who offer like a real program that delivers real results, uh, they face a major problem because they're in this like industry with a bunch of scammers and fakers. And it has a bad reputation. Like online courses have a bad reputation because a lot of it is kind of bullshit. And a lot of it is kind of a uh, scam, scammy marketing stuff. So what you could do is you could basically use scientific method to test which ones are legit and which ones aren't legit. Um, and then the play for that, the business model for that. It, so the way I think you would build that is you start off doing kind of, uh, taking on clients. So like you take a course creator who's like, who makes a lot of money and is very confident in their product. And you, you basically run like a randomized control trial for them on a paid basis. You get a few clients like that, that, and you make cash that way. But then what ultimately the longer term play to make this massive, if you wanted to really make this a big business is you essentially become, um, like a certification company essentially where like no one sees your online course as legitimate unless they go through your randomized control trialing and you have evidence that their course actually delivers results. So I think that could be a massive play, like um, these massive businesses that certify for things like this is true organic. Um, you could be that for like your online courses actually work. I you think say something? Sorry, I, I'm going I crazy. Go ahead. Platform, like, um, like rate my professor, like having some sort of like uh, feedback um, where you can like post your reviews and actually like make sure like certify that they're genuine, um, like some sort of platform to like centralize all these different courses and like see which ones are top rated um, because they are like kind of all over the internet. Like, yes, can, I've only found them through like Twitter or, you know. Yeah. So what you're saying could work for sure. Um, but the thing with that is reputation systems are are vulnerable to being gamed in different ways. And you kind of already have this a little bit with like. Amazon reviews and stuff like that, like big, powerful writers just go and tell all of their audiences to go leave good reviews, right? Um, mm -hmm. What's uniquely powerful about uh, randomized control trials is that it is the gold standard scientific method for actually determining if something has a causal effect or not. And if you're an online course creator, you're selling a claim, like you take my, give me a thousand dollars for this course and you are going to change in this specific way for the better. That's the claim. That's the promise. 
if you can prove that through an independent scientific body that actually tests whether or not it has that effect, being able to verifiably pr like claim that um, is worth so you're going to sell so much more than if you don't have that badge. And so make a business that is just in the business of providing that scientific testing. And it's not rocket science, like a good, so any well-trained social scientist like me uh, could totally tell you like how to run that, how to set that up. Um, it would require some work and hustle for sure. But I think uh, like if you're into that kind of stuff, uh, it could be super disruptive and uh, super cool. And, and potentially, especially if you go through the kind of certification, if you become like a certification business in the long run, that's, that's a mass, that's, that's a massive, massive business, I think. And finally, there's just one more, which is um, self-publishing uh, book formatting as a service. So like I have developed a routine for, uh, formatting and producing like my self-published books. And, uh, basically all it takes is it starts with like a markdown file, like just a plain text file. And it has to be formatted in a, under like certain rules, but they're very, very simple. And, um, I basically have some scripts that will process that markdown file and output a properly formatted book to be uploaded to Amazon's marketplace. Um, so I have the code that does this. And, um, it's pretty automated already and it's based on scripts and such and such. Um, but, uh, to actually build like a functioning web app that could process that for people uploading their own markdown file is that's above my pay grade. I couldn't do that. Uh, and to charge money for it, that's above my pay grade. Um, but I have all of the scripts and I have all of the workflows and basically you'd be selling, Oh, you want to publish your book on Amazon. Okay. Um, if you have your manuscript done, it's going to take you at least like five hours, at least if you're good at it to get this all nicely cleaned up and you're going to have to make the multiple copies and to, and to do all that and follow all the directions and do it manually. Um, and, uh, it's going to take you some time, even if you have the scripts, like I have, even if you write scripts, uh, so, so to just make a tool that's like you upload a markdown file and then you get all of these different files that are properly formatted and ready to publish. Um, you could easily sell that for, I don't know, either do it monthly recurring or you do it probably more sensible would just be like a pay as you go kind of thing, like charge, I don't know, 20 bucks maybe, uh, per per, per usage or something. I think that could be hot. Like Amazon publishing on Amazon is huge. Like tons and tons of people publish books on Amazon all the time. I think if you could make that super simple and super quick and easy, uh, you could make a lot of money that way. And I have all the resources and I could advise and, and tell you how to do it. Um, okay. I'm done. That's my, that's, those are all my business ideas. What do you think? You think any of uh, your people might want to take some of them up? Um, I guess we'll see. It's like yeah. completely up to them. It's yeah. They find them cool and interesting. We'll see if anyone wants to talk about any of that, let me know. But, uh, all right. Anything else you want to ask me or anything else you want to get on the table, Emma? Otherwise I think I'm, I think I'm spent. Yeah. Thank cool. you for coming on. Uh, what did you think of this? Did you find this uh, fun? This is your first podcast you ever did. I think you told me, right? Yeah, I was definitely, um, very nervous. Uh, but yeah, it is pretty cool. Pretty good. I'm glad I didn't read the chat, but I got some texts about it. <laughs> No, no, I told you the people are always uh, weird and often mean in the chat, but they're mean to me too. And they watch my shit all the time. Like I'm always, I'm always befuddled by this. Like there are people in the chat who watch every single thing I put out on YouTube and yet they're consistently mean to me and they just like to say nasty shit. But uh, Hey, I actually, I'm a free speech absolutist. So I don't even, I don't even, I can't even be fussed to, to delete people or like uh, block people. I don't even know how to do that. I don't care. So uh, whatever, fuck the haters. I'm sure like if you're a young, uh, ambitious 20 something, you have to, uh, already have pretty thick skin and not really care that much. Yeah. I think haters are a good signal. Like it, it's a good signal because like they're listening, they're paying attention. Like the fact that they find it interesting enough to invest like energy in criticizing and hating, like pretty good signal. Yeah. The other thing is it's also, it's just YouTube. It's a problem of YouTube. Like YouTube is unfortunately kind of, uh, filled with like a lot of people who are like not always the happiest, nicest people. Let's just say putting it kindly. Uh, when I upload the audio to the podcast, uh, all the podcast listeners, um, and there's more podcast listeners. There's probably like by, by a large margin, there's many more people who listen to the podcast than will listen to this on YouTube. And, uh, those people tend to be more mature and more like accomplished people. No disrespect to people watching this on YouTube. Like I'm not shitting on you folks. I'm just, and some of you are super cool. Some of you in the YouTube community just are like, um, you know, you're not very constructive people. No, no disrespect. Um, but the podcast community that, uh, follows my podcast is like much more, uh, generally way more favorable and positive and thoughtful. So just keep that in mind. If you're scrolling through any nasty YouTube comments, keep that in mind. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Emma. Thanks for this. Super interesting. As I said, I'm super bullish on you folks. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I think I, I put my money on, uh, something big uh, and successful coming out of Gen Z mafia very soon. Um, if there was a way to, it'd be cool if you guys could come up with like a way, some kind of vehicle for like people could like get exposure to you all. Like, 
I, it'd be cool if I could buy something. I could buy some kind of vehicle that would give me like exposure to uh, your your payoffs um, as a portfolio or something like that. You should think about engineering that. Like if people could buy in uh, somehow. A Substack or an ISA? Um, yeah, there are different ways you could do it. I mean, I guess I guess the other way to do it would be um, like a token, right? Or something like that where um, essentially like people can buy, people can basically like buy shares of Gen Z Mafia in a, in a certain way. Um, there are probably different ways you could hack it. But uh, if there was something like that, if there was some way that I could buy exposure to uh, the outcomes of the Gen Z Mafia, I would buy in. So uh, I wish you all nothing but the best. Yeah, you kind of are just by this or like by like being friends with them, you know, having more of them on your podcast. Um, definitely have some recommendations there. There's some like badass people in the oh, group. Yeah, I should say that if you're listening to this and you're in the Gen Z Mafia, um, I send you all an open invitation to come on my podcast. Like if you're doing anything at all legit, um, like as Emma said at the beginning, like if you're just fucking actually building something and it's real and you think it's really interesting and worth sharing with the world, um, come to me, let me know. There's a very good chance I'll, I'll get you on the show. Um, I'm generally very open to like crazy weird ideas, especially from people that, you know, uh, don't have any name recognition. Like that's kind of one of the things I'm, I'm into. And one of the things my podcast is known for. So if that describes you out there, hit me up. Uh, I'll be very favorably disposed to, uh, any other, uh, Gen Z mafia hustlers. And, uh, yeah. So keep that in mind. Uh, thanks again, Emma. This is super interesting. Like I said, I'm super bullish on you all. I wish you all the best of luck and, uh, keep me posted on all your projects and, and good luck. Thank you. All right, Emma, take it easy. All right, bye. Later. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, you should send it to a friend. Just email it to them or post it on your social networks, whatever. And to learn more about what we discussed in this podcast or to send me questions to address in future episodes, please just go to otherlife.co and you'll find everything there. There's actually a ton of cool stuff on there. So check it out if you haven't already. Thanks again, folks. See you here next time.